Well, hello, church. Are you, are you happy to be here? Are you glad to be here? Okay, good. Uh, let, me, let me welcome everybody. Uh, the fellows at RCMU, we're glad that you are sitting in on this. You are fountain springers, just at a different location. And I'm glad that you're here. And, and we as a church, all together, multiple places, are going through a series called Freeway. So, if you are brand new, let me catch you up. There's a book. It says Freeway on it. That's where we got the title. And so the book Freeway is not some miracle working book. It just helps you be honest. So let me, let me do this. I'm not making money off this. Just listen, listen. You should buy a book. Uh, they're 10 bucks. If you go online, they'll cost you 20 to $25. We got them from basically the person who puts them together. And I think you should pick one up. Even if you're like, David, I don't like people. I don't want to be in a group. And I know some of you are like, how do you know about me? At least, listen, at least find a friend that you could go through the book with or, or a spouse or some of you, you just need some good time with your spouse and a book is good. It's got pictures in it. For those of you who are afraid of reading a book together, <laughs> uh, you should pick it up. And we are walking through a very important topic. It's being free. Some of us, we've got stuff that has happened in our lives that happened to us happened because of us, and we're not free from it. And the Bible will teach you this, if you read it, that God intends for you and I to be free, not enslaved to something. So if you listen up, this is a critical week, week three. So listen intently, it will be fun for the most part, for the majority of the sermon. So I need some crowd participation. This will make this simple. You're gonna have to think for a second. Are you prepared? Good. Let's say, hypothetically, I had a mug. And let's say, hypothetically, this mug had water in it. Are you ready to participate? I'm not going to throw this at you for those of you like, how's this going to work? <laughs> let's say in this mug that I got really nervous because how you look at me and, and you're scary and I just start shaking a little bit. I'm shaking and shaking and shaking and eventually I shake so bad that there's a little bit of water that drips out and I'm like, try to hide it. Listen, I got a question for you. This is science class. Listen up. If I asked you, why did the water just drip out of that cup a little bit? You're like, really? That's as deep as we're going to get today? If I asked you, why did the water drip out of the cup? A good portion of you would simply say, because you spilled it, David. And you would get a star on your chart. Good job, right? But did you know that there's another answer that's equally as correct? See, some of you who are overly intellectual, emphasis on the overly part, some of you are overly intellectual, like, oh, no, the water did not spill because you shook the cup. Water spilled because someone put water in the cup. If you did not have water in that cup, you would not have spilled water. Problem solved. If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about regarding this argument. Because aren't we really good, if you have any kind of relationship, coming up with a justified reason of why you did what you did? And in fact, if you're around somebody you care long enough that you're going to have an argument of some sort and you're going to have to come to this point that one of you is going to probably make something up even though it's going to be true, but they're going to see a different angle to what happened. And here's what I know about you and I. If someone asks you, what did you do? Or, or profoundly pressing in and showing you guilt. What did you, why did you do it? What's going on? Why did you do what you do? Typically, most of us don't unfold, oh, I'm sorry. I, I just did this. Most of us 
are so quick on our feet, we offer an excuse as to why what happened happened. It's called blaming, if you are willing to get honest. You and I have a tendency that if we do something that we're not supposed to do, even accidentally, and someone says, what did you do? You don't answer with what you did. You answer with why what happened happened. You and I have this idea, it's built in us, that if we can escape, whether we should or not, guilt, success, and so we blame. And that's why we've got to have a pretty direct conversation. Blame. You and I have a natural instinct to blame. It's why some of the real hard stuff that happened in your life, you always talk about, well, yeah, that happened because I was tired. I said it that way because I was sick. Some of you are getting some great marriage advice here. Some of you say, well, well, my boss wouldn't let me do such and such, so that's why I had to do that. Or my teacher isn't fair, so I had to tweak the answers and cheat a little bit. It's why you and I are built to cast blame on something, circumstances, people. But here, let me help you. This is why, and you can't do it, and I can't do it. We aren't good enough to count this way. If I said, compare the amount of I am sorry's to the excuses that you've received in your life. I bet the excuses outweigh, outnumber the I am sorry's. That's why I'll tell you frequently, three of the most powerful words in life are, I am sorry. But are they not some of the most difficult words to get out of your mouth? They're so difficult. That's why it's profound in a relationship when someone will just speak up and own something. And now, now some of you are like, yeah, David, I know. Our culture is horrible. Things are just, the ship's going down, David. No, this is, this is not a new problem. This whole thing that you and I don't own what's really going on in our lives, that we blame everybody that we possibly can blame. It's why a lot of us are dealing with, so I'm gonna show you why. And if you have access to your Bibles, go to the beginning. Genesis chapter three, you're about to see, you're about to get outed in the sense of what you thought was creative, how you got to blame so-and-so and how that all worked. You weren't even, weren't even creative in this. <laughs> Genesis chapter three, watch this beginning. You'll, you'll recognize this, Genesis three eleven. God says to Adam and Eve, Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Now, most of us, whether you've grown up in church or not, know this story. And you know the whole thing, that there was a tree. God said, hey, all these trees is all great. Don't eat from that one tree. This serpent, the devil, says, hey, I think you should eat from that tree. And they were like, okay, good idea. And so they ate from the tree. And then you've got God asking a question to Adam and Eve, saying, hey, have you eaten from the tree? Now, if you ever think about the Bible and you think about God and how much he knows and how he knows everything, that question you got to have an issue with. Why did God say to Adam and Eve, have you eaten from the tree when God, we know, is all-knowing? See, God often asks questions, and God doesn't have to ask questions, just so you know. (laughs) He's the one and only that doesn't have to ever ask a question. So when God asks a question, you should always go, hmm, I bet there's a reason. And I want to reveal to you, just very simply, If you want to be free, you have to walk through something. If you want to be free, you have to apply humility. In fact, that's what I think God's getting at with Adam and Eve. Before it was confession time, before they were going to get punished, before any of that, you notice that God leads with a question, have you done this? Here's what I know about God. He loves you so much to ask you questions he knows answers to to help you get free. So that's why he asked them, hey, 
have you eaten from this? Of course the answer is yes, it's God. But what he wants from Adam and Eve is a humble act. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, some of you have never said I'm sorry. In fact, if I said, hey, think about the last time that you owned something that you did that you literally willingly said I am sorry to someone, a lot of you will not be able to remember when that last was. And it's not because you haven't done anything wrong, it's because you're not humble. Now, some of you are like, well, David, I don't think I'm better than other people. I'm not arrogant. Now, I know arrogant people, David, but I am not one of those arrogant people. Now, listen, humility is not just about people who think more about themselves. Listen, if you think less about yourself, if you think you're a horrible person, guess what I can tell you about you is you think about you all the time, which is what arrogant people do. You fall on a trend here? See, just because you're not arrogant and think you're the best, listen, if you think you're the worst, you think about you all the time. And you are not gonna get free if you're not able to see yourself the way God sees you. And that's hard to get to, and it's gonna require humility. So that's why in this series, this is hinging, this is the third part, this is the middle part, this is the tough part, is are you willing to talk about freedom with a humble heart, or have you, like I think many people have, and why am I preaching on this? Some of you are like, oh, I'm free, David. This week I spent all my time talking about all the bad stuff in my life and who was responsible for it. You're not gonna get freed up by doing that. I, I can promise you, you won't. And so here's what I wanna do is I wanna show you just some simple things in the Bible and walk out this, watch this. This is Adam, Genesis 3:12. his reaction to God's question. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Some of you are like, is he gonna go there? (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) See, some of you have been in church for too long, and you've got this really nice, poetic thing about this story. Do you know what Adam just said? God's saying, hey, did you guys eat that? And Adam points to the naked woman and says, it's her fault, she gave me fruit, what am I supposed to do? See, some of you, I'm not asking you to visualize. By the way, you're like, did he just say naked? (laughs) Trying to help you put your kids in the kids' ministry. Listen. (laughs) It's leadership. So, listen, listen. Do you not find it funny and ironic And actually gut-wrenching that thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, guys were blaming the naked woman for what they did. (laughs) She was Eve, and he looks at God and says, it's her fault. But sometimes you don't read the whole verse like you're supposed to read the verse. He blamed Eve. He blamed another person that he was very attracted to and and he blamed her and like blah, blah, blah. But he also blamed another person. I don't know if you caught this. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me. And here's where we need to really have a conversation. Some of you are blaming what has happened in your life on God. It's an 
honest thing. I'm not telling you that you're a horrible person for doing it. In fact, I can tell you something about God. He's not hurt by it. He can overcome your blame. Listen, he's God. He's big. He's strong. But listen, some of us right now are in bondage. We're not free because we've been spending all of our lives blaming God for what happened in our lives, just like Adam did. If you think it's a new tactic, it's not. It's not a cultural thing. This has been happening since the dawn of time where man blames God for man's actions. Some of you don't think God is good because there are people dying of starvation. Meanwhile, God provided enough food in this world for people to not die of starvation. It's our fault. See, so you gotta you got press in. Are you blaming God for what's going on in your life when it was actually your choice? I know that's a bit like, whoa, but you gotta, you gotta wrestle that. You've gotta deal with that. That's big stuff, but profound, I think, if you're willing to wrestle. So you've got Adam, who's blaming, blaming a woman, and then he blames God and makes it real serious, real quick. And I love God. God's so good. God just got blamed for something he had no part in. And he doesn't lash out at Adam. Something really cool to watch about God. You wanna learn about God's character? God does not all of a sudden get mad and, and send lightning down, which a lot of us think that's what God does when we do something we shouldn't. He gets blamed and moves on. Love God. So let's not just pick on the guys. Eve, Genesis 3.13. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? By the way, he knows the answer. The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. See, when you were five years old and your parents asked you, what did you do that? You're like, the devil made me do it. You thought you were being creative. Nope, Eve said it first. <laughs> Eve literally blamed the devil at the beginning. By the way, the devil, we know this from, from what the Bible says, did not force feed the fruit. It's quick. Some of you are blaming God, and there's a whole other crew of you blaming the devil for what's happened in your life. When it's you that ate the fruit, this blaming thing has got to stop. Because here's why I know why we blame. Because when you blame someone else, you are minimizing your guilt. And if you can minimize your guilt, you don't have to feel as bad about what happens. And so it is human nature to not want to hold on and wrestle guilt. We don't, we don't like guilt. Guilt does not make you feel good. And so when, to minimize the guilt of what is in your life, what is in your soul, what you're wrestling with, to minimize it, if you can project blame onto other people, at least a little bit, you don't have to own it all. And so we blame and blame and blame and blame and blame. And so many of us are in bondage. True story. No joke. I was reading an article, and I even had to reread it and check the source. And be like, I can't believe this is really happening. Do you know that therapists are struggling having people come in for counseling appointments? The numbers have drastically dropped over the last few years. By the way, every one of you should be in counseling. I'm just going to tell you right now. I should too. We should all be in counseling. You're welcome. Therapists are having trouble having people being willing to come in for counseling because people do not want to deal with their mess or have ignored their mess. So no joke, I'm gonna read this to you. This is funny in a sense. Therapists are hiring rebranding consultants who are offering the following advice. Rather than say, I treat people with depression and anxiety, advertise your services by asking are you having trouble with the difficult people in your life? 
It's brilliant marketing. Because every one of us, if I asked you to raise your hand, who has a difficult person in your life? Everyone would be like, oh, got both hands, feet, how my toes are raised. Listen, we, we would. Because we all have difficult people in our life. Listen, if I asked who in here needs counseling, most of us would be like, I don't. Is he looking at me? He's looking at me. Why does he always look at me? <laughs> it's interesting how you and I don't own what's going on in our lives. We blame people. Listen, I'm not talking about are you guilty of everything that's happened in your life. I'm talking are you blaming someone else for everything that's happened in your life? And this is profound. You'll find this in your workbook. If you read it, listen, you can't blame your way to freedom. You can't get free of the stuff in your life by blaming everybody else. It's not that you can push everything off to other people's plates and then find yourself, look, I have nothing on my plate anymore because that's not how emotional and spiritual pain works. You can't blame your way to freedom. So I'm about to say something that I did not come up with on my own, but it could revolutionize your life if you will listen to it, own it, and press it deep into your soul. This is profound. If you have any relationship in your life that has, let's call it storms occasionally. You're married, you're dating, you have kids, you work somewhere, you go to school somewhere. Listen to this. Taking ownership means the damage may not be my fault, but the repairs are my responsibility. Some of us just need to sit for a moment. See, some of us think that by blaming that we, we're like, well, well I'm not guilty. So I gotta, I gotta make sure that everyone knows who was actually guilty in this. That doesn't free you up. See, it's the responsibility part. What is in your life, whether you chose it or not, you've gotta do something about it. There's a mess. Let me give you a helpful story, I think. Uh, not too long ago, about a week ago, my son, my oldest son, he's 11, was gonna go outside and play and do things. He likes to blow things up, do stuff with fire. Uh, if you are in the fire department, I didn't just say that, just forget I just said that. He likes to do a lot of stuff outside that 11 year old boys like to do. That involves taking things from inside that he doesn't get permission to, but take it outside and burn it, break it, something, whatever. So my 11 year old is on his way out the back door. I'm sitting at the kitchen table, which is next to the back door. He has his hands full with stuff. I don't pay attention to what's in it. I mean, I just figured if he's gonna burn something, he'll be safe. I don't know why I was thinking that. <laughs> As he is almost through the door, it's now time to shut the door. As he goes to shut the door, he drops something. It was this. Not this exact one, but it was a concrete cement planter. I have no idea and have not asked him because I don't wanna know what he was taking this outside for. But as he was closing the door, he had to use one of his hands, which meant he didn't have enough hands to carry what he wanted to, and it wasn't long before we heard a crash, this hitting the ground. You don't have to be super smart to know if this ever hits the ground, it will not stay in one piece. And so it broke. It shattered, actually, all over the place really quickly. Now, we looked at him, and I promise you, this was not an immediate, we're going to kill you, son. It was, when that something like that breaks, your immediate thought is like, are you okay? Did that drop on your toe? How are you doing? He's looking at us like this, going, am I going to die now? <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to own in front of you. My, 
My kids have done things accidentally before, and I have overreacted, but raised my voice in ways I shouldn't. And so he's looking at us, going, not worried about what actually just happened. It's what's going to happen. And he's looking at us. And, and we're like, hey, are, you okay? are you okay? Are you okay? Okay. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. And then he's kind of waiting. Is there, like, am I going to be banned from life for the rest of my life? How's this work? And we're like, hey, hey, just let's, let's get that cleaned up. And, and we told him, like, it's just an accident. I mean, he didn't mean to do it. He didn't, he didn't take this and, and slam it down on purpose and, and try to break it and try to be destructive. At least he didn't do it in that moment. And so we're like, okay, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. It's, fine. it's, it's an accident, but, but you, need to, you, need to, you need to clean that up. And he, he got that. He understood that. So Katie went on doing some other things. He knew that he wasn't in trouble. That's all really he was concerned with at the moment. Am I in trouble? And he started cleaning it up and things like that. And, and as he was kind of getting that into the trash can and Katie was out of the room, I was like, hey, bud, that was your, that was your mom's planter. I bet she wanted it. Um, you, you, need, you probably should take some of the money you saved and, and replace it. Um, his mood changed. Because he went from, oh, am I going to get in trouble, to, oh, it's just an accident, everyone's okay with this, to all of a sudden, dad's suggesting I pay for it. And this was a cool, cool moment for us as parents, and it's, this whole interaction. Because he all of a sudden got mad at me. He's like, but it was an accident, dad. I was like, I agree with you. You're not in trouble. No one's mad at you. It was an accident. You didn't mean to do that. It was unintentional. But that doesn't change your responsibility. And it's one of those parent moments that we're like, okay, this is good. This is good. Some of you are like, yay, I'm helping you right now. And, and this responsibility talk got to happen. I'm thinking, I'm preaching on this. This is going to fit. This is good. And, and listen, listen, listen. I was able to help my son understand that even though it was an accident in another situation, maybe he didn't do it. But it's in his life. It's now his responsibility to help fix what's going on. You and I need to resolve this as well. You and I, you've got things in your life. I'm going to reread what I read to you earlier. Taking ownership means the damage may not be my fault. It may be accidental. But the repairs are my responsibility. Do you know why? Because it's in your life. That's why oftentimes I'll sit across a couple where there's been an affair that's happened. And I look at the person who did nothing wrong and say, you now have the biggest role. And you did nothing wrong. That's how this works. I'm telling you how real life works. That's why this is a tough conversation. That's why in order to be free, you've got to stop blaming everybody and start moving forward. But frankly, some of you would rather blame than be free. Some of you would rather be a victim because you're enjoying being a victim. I'm telling you, you've got to decide, you've got to press in. Are you willing to get free? Some of you are like, well, David, didn't you preach on that the first week? Yeah, but we've got to re-examine it because some of us thought we were getting free by blaming. I went to Israel a few years ago, and we were walking through a portion of, it was really cool, and my dad pointed out, he's like, you see that little, little pool of water down there? I was like, yeah, that, okay, what's the big deal about that pool of water? <laughs> and he said, you know, people used to gather around that pool of water, and if they got into that pool of water when the Holy Spirit would touch it, they would get healed. It's a very popular pool. Let me, let me, this is in the Bible. This isn't just my dad making something up. John chapter five, listen. Now there in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, a pool. There is a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda. 
and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the, the blind, the lame, and paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid, meaning he couldn't walk, couldn't do anything, for 38 years. 38 years at that pool, unable to get into it. No one would help him. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Kind of sounds like the question God asked at the beginning. Did you eat the fruit? Well, yeah, you're God. I mean, you know this stuff. Jesus asked this guy for 38 years, he hasn't been able to move. He's watching probably other people even have the experience of getting into the water and being healed. And Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? See, some of us, we read that at just face value, like, well, of course he does. Listen, listen, he's not necessarily talking just about physical health. He's talking about what's deeper than that. And so even though this is the third week, I've got to ask you what I asked very similarly in the first week. Do you want to get well? Do you want to be free of whatever's in your life that's been holding you? Do you want to be free of the shame that some of you carry every day or the regret? The unforgiveness, the bitterness, the past. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be healed? If so, there's two things I want to share with you that I think can help us all on taking ownership. No more blaming. So there's two things. First one, taking ownership. Don't blame the past. Yeah, but I want to. I had a bad past. It's a horrible past, and you justifiably so may have had a horrible past. Don't blame the past. My past refines me. It does not define me. My past refines me. It should never define you. I had a horrible moment in my life one time where I found myself in my own mess, and I had some great advice given to me from a guy. Don't let this define you. Don't let this be the story about who you are for the rest of your life, be something that defines you, marks you, and you can't get rid of it. Some of you, your past, it's all you remember, it's all you talk about, it's all you think about. Your past is defining you, and when I'm telling you to get free, you gotta stop blaming your past. I'm not telling you to discount it or saying it didn't hurt you or that the people weren't wrong, but you've gotta stop blaming it. If you keep blaming it, you can't move forward. Isaiah 43, 19 knows you and it knows me. For I am about to do something new. Yay. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. Some of you have been praying for that. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Do you want to be free? Many of us have a tendency to wrap everything about our life around the pains that we've experienced. You've got to stop doing that. You gotta stop doing that. In fact, there's, there's two groups of people that, that don't deal with this well, the, the, the under owners. Like the, uh, that didn't hurt me. That's why some of you, I've, I've had this conversation with some of you, where you tell me your dad left you when you were a kid. You're like, yeah, it doesn't matter to me though. Yeah, it does. Some of you said, well, yeah, yeah like I went home and 
found out my spouse had left me. But, you know, you know I take things well. I, I'm moving forward on this. Some of you have gone to school and you've had people say things about you that hurt you so bad, but you didn't want to open up and, and say, say oh, that, that hurt me, that really rocked me. Those are the people that we call under-owners, the people who actually are not acknowledging the pain that they're actually wrestling with. Don't be an under-owner. But also there's the other folks, the over-owners, the ones who literally wallow in the shame. You've believed lies about you that you are horrible or this past that you've got has messed you up. And listen, you don't have to over-own this stuff. Don't let your past define you. There's one other. I mean, you stop blaming your past and don't blame people. Again, you're like, but I want to. <laughs> Watch this. Be more committed to freedom than placing blame. Now, how do you get there? Stop being the fair police. I'm gonna say this again because there's a lot of us that need to hear this. Stop being the fair police. Some of you think life is supposed to be fair. So, you know, you've grown up a little bit. I don't know, I know life isn't fair, but you want it to be fair. Here's what I know. You only want life to be fair when it benefits you. That's why there's not a single person listening. When you saw someone pulled over by the police because they were speeding, you didn't be like, oh, man, and pull over too. Hey, I last week was speeding. No one caught me. You get out of your car, you're getting tased because they don't know why you pulled over. We don't do that. You've never heard of that. You've never heard of people going, hey, guess what I did a couple weeks? No, you only like fair when fair benefits you. When it doesn't, you want life to be unfair. That's why if you've ever won lottery, you didn't go return the check. I hope you're hearing this. Some of you need to stop being the fair police because I'm gonna tell you something about life. You don't want it to be fair because if life were fair, we all lose. You wanna be free? Stop trying to make life fair. Stop pressing in trying to make everything benefit you and just look at what's on your plate and say, you may not have caused it, it may not be your fault, but it's in your life, it's your responsibility to wrestle through it. So, I wrote a couple things I want you to hear. You gotta give up rehearsing how bad you've been treated. Give up focusing on how hostile the world has been toward you. Give up your grudges. Give up getting sympathy from everyone. And just start owning what's in your life. So a pivotal question. We either choose to, fo- to fix and focus on what's broken or we blame somebody for it. You, the rest of your life, no matter how old you are or how young you are, whatever happens in your life, whatever you press in, you're either gonna try to fix it and wrestle it down and deal with it or you're gonna try to blame someone else. Where are you on that? You will not get free. You will go back forward, back and back and back, and, and then you'll make some good choices, and you'll go forward and go back again the more you blame people. So I know this is tough, but don't be Adam and Eve. Don't blame in the face of God what has happened. Just own whether it's your fault or not, and help you be free.